And welcome to yet another episode of The Dice Are Screaming. Ah! Oh, indeed they are. And they've got a lot to scream about. Hey, welcome, folks. I'm Randy. I am Mike. Yeah. And nominally. We're... Nominally? Oh. Right. <laughs> Glad to meet you, nominally. All right. So, uh, yeah, we're here doing our podcast thing. Uh, on the cusp of another winter storm rolling in. Supposed to get maybe up to six inches tonight. Yeah, you always get a weather report here. You know we're old. Yeah, that, it's a principal part of our lives in Michigan uh, in the wintertime to speculate constantly about the weather, which, worthwhile, it's like casting auguries. It okay? sure is, yeah. You really don't know how the... Uh, you might as well shake a magic eight ball. Yeah. <laughs> Seems likely. <laughs> Prospects are poor. <laughs> Outcome uncertain. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you don't like the weather in Michigan, wait a minute. It'll change. Uh, and true enough, it's easier than an angry druid. Yeah. Well, this is the land of Michigumi. A uh, cursed land. Michigumi, the Great Lakes. Yeah. All right. But it is a beautiful place. Uh, and when everything's blanketed beneath that snow, it's awful pretty to look at. Yeah, I like to change up with the seasons, keep things interesting. I like that word, interesting. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, we're here doing our podcast today, so we're just going to get right into it here. No horsing around, no pulling any punches, because we got a heck of a lineup for you today. Oh, yeah, this one's actually going to, we're going to need that time. I, yeah, I'm we're not, gonna... you know, like the kimono is, has been stapled, so there no no freebies, but uh, <laughs> aside from the ludicrous pretense that the title has not given it away. <laughs> yeah, like... I have no fluttering kimono, but today I, I have, like, a very thin veil of pretense. So. <laughs> right, so um, we're going to talk about uh, the continuation of Village of Hama, Temple of Elemental Evil. Yeah, we had covered the topic of Hamlet, and I suppose we should do a very <clears throat> high-speed preface uh, reminding people about T1, the Village of Hamlet. Uh yeah, pretty much a solo, on its standalone project that uh, covered uh, a very kind of, I don't want to say uh, sleepy, but backwater little village that you might not give a second look at. But uh, what a hotbed of intrigue it is with all sorts of agents, both of good and evil, watching each other, uh, hidey holes inside the inn, and of course a moat house on the outskirts of the village that uh, hides more than... Just a few angry monsters. Yeah, as it turns out, you know, in days gone by, a terrible evil plagued the land not far from, uh, you know, the people of Hamlet. And uh, it was finally crushed in a great war and, and, you know, laid to rest. And it seemed as though the evil was gone for a while. However, there have been rumblings. You know, the, the bandits roam the forest once again. Uh, you know, evil creatures begin to pop up here and there. And all of the agents of good in Hamlet uh, have a watchful eye and are just a little more nervous now. Plus, there are some recent arrivals in the town that may not be, you know, what they appear. Uh, some for good, some for evil. And yeah, so in that vein, uh, something spoilery this way cometh. Yeah, spoiler alert, if you have not played Temple of, Enemy, Temple of Elemental Evil, but plan to, or... Plan to run it for your players, then please direct them away from this podcast and probably to something different. 
uh, that we do. <laughs> something of quality. Yeah, something <laughs> on what you... Because you would expect no less. From the unattended homunculus of gaming podcasts. That's us. <laughs> you don't know what it's been up to. It's just there in the corner smirking for no reason. Constantly. <laughs> so check those coffee mugs and those boots. All right. <laughs> Make sure your potion contents are still valid. So jumping in both feet. Uh, so <clears throat> we're not going to talk too much about the Village of Hamlet other than that. So nice recap, Mike. Well, yeah. Byrne and Rufus, you know, the uh, the good guys in charge of uh, of Hamlet. Uh, the Bert and Ernie of D&D couples. <laughs> uh, Byrne, you're eating crackers in bed again. The crumbs. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Okay, so... Okay, that having been and said, At- but also Jero Ashstaff, and also the uh, leader of the Church of Saint Cuthbert. And you learn that the canonus Yeday uh, is away, uh, and you know others are basically tending the place on her behalf. Uh, you do not learn in T one where the canonus Yeday has gone. That brings us to T two. Yeah, uh, and. Right in between in the super module, which I guess, uh, well, we'll just take this as it comes. Um, this was the first of the super modules that basically started what would kind of colloquially be known as adventure paths. Like the Temple of Elam Alibo uh, was an adventure to take you from one to eight. And it linked up, although not symmetrically, with the Slaver series, which was uh, against the Slave Lords uh, Mega Module, Super A1 Module. A1 through A4. Uh, and right, and again, these had each existed before as tournament modules, but they kind of codified them a little bit better and smoothed out some of the rough edges and put it more into the setting. And then, of course, you had uh, Queen of the Demon Web Pits, where this ends up with, at, uh, which is against the Giants 1 through 3. And descent into the earth, and vault to the drow, and then eventually the queen of demon web pits itself. Yeah, and that is why we are returning uh, to where we had left off on the ultimate collection of super modules, like in the order in which they were released, uh, to give a little window into the first giant mega adventure path. Yeah, so a lot rested on the shoulders of this, and. Uh, it was successful, but there's some problems with it. But I'll get into those at the end. Here. Yeah, we'll, but we're we'll, going to go to talk right now about the main thing is they had an interlude, which was pretty common for these, which was to kind of knit the previous adventures with the others. And this one comes right after uh, Village of Hamlet because, rather than the first part, because Village of Hamlet had been out for, geez whiz, uh, four or five years Approximately before this came out, it came out in 85, so yeah, about five years. So yeah, there was, was a lot of time. Hey, what were you doing? Five years. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so they needed to kind of put this into perspective of what had changed, so there was a lot of expectations. So they started off with Null, and so let's talk quickly about Null. Okay. If you were to take the entire essence of the situation in Hamlet and invert it, uh, you know, here you had this basically good little community uh, where tucked within were occasional bad actors and malevolent spies uh, working discreetly to keep an eye on the good people and prepare the, you know, to assist their evil comrades over in Nolb. Nolb is the opposite. It is an evil town. Yeah, now, back in Hamlet, it had a moat house that nominally, when the temple was at its height of power, 
kept watch on the denizens at uh, Hamlet near the crossroads. And they were the first ones to be routed or surrounded and then routed later after the temple itself fell in good order. Now, the temple here is right outside of Nob. Yeah, this, you know, the, the ultimate target of the wrath of the party is the temple of elemental evil. Yeah, now if you're playing uh, as a DM, as you're playing this module, you're going to want to look at ways to get your players involved. Now, you are probably already had the NPCs from Hamlet help out, but here in as well are some things that can come in and help your shape your campaign. Now, in Nova itself, um, you find a lot of... There's a small power structure in Nova, and it pretty much depends on banditry, uh, river pirates. Yes, uh, smugglers, banditry, theft... Uh, unlike the people of uh, Hamlet, who have a little militia of their own, where uh, in each uh, encounter zone inside Hamlet, as you go from business to business and home to home, uh, the people you meet there, it's listed whether they're capable of being members of the city's militia. Nolb has much the same thing, except that it's all opportunistic bandits yep. who, if it seems like the party is weak but has sufficient wealth, uh, will basically gang up on the party on their way out of town and just mob them. Uh, so you're in peril, unlike the rather inviting and comfortable Hamlet, uh, you are in peril just by being in Nob and being seen, you know, you really don't want to be seen flashing a lot of gold at low level in the, the area of Nob. Or, yeah, staggering back from the temple with a sack full of loot and a chest under one arm. Yeah. And all bleeding from different wounds. Yeah, you don't want to go through Nob. And so this brings one of the first roadblocks with this module is why would players want to go to Nob? When I first ran this a long time ago, I ran into this. So I made the players kind of go there at the behest of Vernon Rupus wanting to investigate the disappearance of said Canaanus, as well as uh, Elmo, the ranger you find inside Hamlet, saying that something about his brother wanting to go there when he was last seen. Now, of course, we find out that inside, no, is, of course, Otis himself, a powerful ranger lord, yeah, yeah, my brother Otis turns out to be a badass. Okay, yeah, not even kidding. Kane Day is, of course, uh, heavily disguised as a crone, a wizened and bitter crone who uh, is a herb monger. Yes, she is posing as an herb monger known as Mother Scrang. Uh, and Mother Scrang's assistant and daughter, Hruda. Uh, these are actually both agents of good. Now... If you want to manipulate the party into spending some time in Nolb just to put them at risk, uh, you can always intimate that uh, valuable knowledge about the precise means to enter the mm -hmm. Temple of Elemental yep. Evil can be gained by seeking out either Otis or uh, Canonus Yaday uh, in their... Or uh, vaguely under NPCs that you might also create inside the... No, because unlike... Otis is posing as the smith. You know, the, the good characters have infiltrated the town of Nolb. And, I mean, note, they are high-level good characters. So they, they can, you know, survive in this extremely dangerous place. But even they have adopted a degree of secrecy to accomplish their goals. 
getting the player characters to get that valuable information from those people can lure them into this otherwise dangerous area. Right, but unlike Hamlet, Nob is pretty much open, so it presents both a workload and an opportunity for the DM. Now, like Mike intimated very succinctly, you can have the, the way of getting inside the temple will quickly become very clear why you can't just walk in. There is no open area in the temple. It's warded off as you actually make the way to the temple, which is gloriously painted on the cover by Keith Parkinson. The doors themselves are sealed by powerful magical locks, which have antipathy to uh, good and sympathy, or uh, excuse me, sympathy to good and antipathy to evil. And so it repels evil and attracts good to try to not uh, mess with it. So long story short, it's warded against entering in. So you just can't bust this place down and walk right in. There are secret ways into it, and that is formulative to how you want to start this adventure. Now, why I say it's a problem is it's a roadblock that isn't quite clear. They don't spell this out. And for some of the guys who chuckle in the background, well, that's the old first edition stuff. Hey, yeah, hear you. Hear you. Had to carefully read and precisely plan and lay out breadcrumbs for the players to follow. But that's kind of antithetical to the spirit of the so-called OSR. Uh you're supposed to have a wide open area, and if you can't get in one area, you should have a, a viable opportunity to explore another. This was not made as perfectly clear, and I don't think it's a design flaw as it was an oversight, because so much of this module, it was at a transition point in TSR. But again, I'm going to move forward with this, because once you make the way in, whatever way you've seated for the players, once the adventure begins in the temple proper, you're going to be presented with the first level, which is... Oh, welcome to the, you know, first level of the Dungeons of Elemental Evil. And, you know, I, I do want to comment on Section 1 in particular. Worth noting, one thing they got right, uh, relatively, since the exact level of the group of players going in was unknown but presumed to be not too high, uh, the scaled difficulty of encounters in the very first level of the Dungeons of Elemental Evil, uh, you have, well, various prisoners, which one of your experience points garnering goals is to free and safely evacuate prisoners who were to be sacrificed. Uh, there are the prisoners and then the people keeping the prisoners, which are principally brigands and teams of gnolls, and then they've, they've got a pack of ghouls uh, that is at their disposal, and a ghoul pack is an extremely dangerous encounter for lower-level parties. Uh, not implausible, but yeah. also ghasts, you know, right. a couple at a base, time. Yeah, this, the, the ghasts make it really tough, and uh, that's a big, big principal concern yeah, that they that, throw in here. that one was pretty tough, but you're... Primary opponents are gnolls, hobgoblins, uh, a tiny handful of ogres, skeletons. Yeah, very few hobgoblins, I, yeah. a few gnolls, but mostly working as mercenaries between the uh, two warring temples. Now, worth mentioning, Up on top. some subtlety on the part of the players is called for because the guards are presumed to be working in concert. 
And should alarm be raised, other guards over a period of time will mm-hmm. come to reinforce their, their fellows. Uh, missile weapons will be employed. Choke points involving narrow halls or precise rooms will be made use of. Tactics, these, you know, the smarter creatures being the gnolls and human brigands, uh, will use smart tactics to fight back. But they do not have limitless resources in terms right. of numbers. You only have one temple on the first level, and then the second and third have uh, the remaining of the two other or three others: the earth, the fire, water, and uh, air temples. And each one is kind of working at cross purposes, although nominally supposed to be working together. But as you make your way down, you begin to find your way to the lower temple, but also. There's sort of a presumption here. And here's where, again, you have to start looking at the scope of your campaign. Now, played as is, finding a way into the temple shouldn't be too difficult, considering some of the NPCs involved. Specifically, player characters can be um, sent to other places uh, to consult with sages and eyewitnesses who were there at the Battle of Emery Meadows. And you can make these arguments very clearly that this is written in the backstory and it's there to be discerned for the cautious and careful reader. But I I do say that having run this several times, it's not as clear as it could be. And I don't really fault that overly as much as I do that the way the module is constructed, it's not very clear what the precise location of some of these items are or, more importantly, how to discern them. Because artifacts in Dungeons & Dragons do not radiate uh, magic, and they do not present themselves to divination. Correct. Uh, Only their unusual appearance suggests, you know, their their physical appearance, finding it and looking at it and saying, well, now this is not your ordinary kind of item. Uh, That alone may be the only real clue you get. (laughs) Now, Well Hidden is a uh, secret on the very top level where you're exploring the upper ruins. Of the temple itself, which is still a standing structure for the most part. There is a secret entrance to a lair with a wizard named Falrinth. Now, he alone possesses the Orb of Golden Death, an artifact that will hold four gems. Now, each one of the temples holds a unique piece of the gems that correspond to air, earth, water, and fire, respectively. Now, these have to be placed in a certain order, and certain things must be done. But once the gore, once these are placed within, the orb of golden death will present itself. Now, uh, some as a means to gain to the ultimate adve- part of the adventure, which is the lower temple, the fourth level. Yeah, now, the the orb of golden death is absolutely essential to the plot, and I I think you you make a very fine point that in the old school tradition, this module does assume that the player characters are going to wander, that they are just going to. You know, they're going to have to search and search and search. They're going to have to go back uh, and resupply. They're going to have to escape this very dangerous and more heavily patrolled area and go somewhere safe. They may have to retreat repeatedly, either to hide in Nolb under assumed identities or, you know, in, in with some degree of subtlety or in the care of maybe someone who is sympathetic to their cause, or retreat all the way back to Hamlet uh, and heal up there. They 
will gain levels in the course of this. Uh, working your way down through these three levels is going to be tough. And not a lot of easy clues are just left laying around. There are one or two uh, key encounters that if the player characters are paying attention and the DM is inclined to, uh, you know, nudge people appropriately, those encounters, uh, including documents and things of that ilk, uh, can give the players a cache of important information that will definitely help. So it's not like they left everybody completely high and dry. No, but there but was no... It's very specific encounter dependent. When you go from the introductory module of, and especially the tone of Village of Hamlet. Yeah, very easy, very simple. And it, it spelled out some very well laid out ways to approach this and how to be careful about letting player characters just go in unwarned and unprepared. Yeah, it, the training reels are off of this one. But they could have done with a better overview of how to lace in clues. Now, for instance, when you go to the Earth Temple, I think is the first one you encounter, and you put all the priests to the sword and uh, dispatch all the uh, minions, <laughs> you can find the Earth Gem. Now, once you find this powerful gem, and it obviously radiates a powerful aura, even without detect magic, it might start the players on the process of starting to ask questions what this is for, and then maybe eventually when they find Falvern Slayer, and uh, deal with him. And he's no easy slouch. I mean, he's a ninth level wizard with plenty of preparation. Super paranoid <laughs> with a special familiar. I'm just going to say this because we already have the spoiler alert up. Yeah. This guy is not an easy person to catch unawares. Um, numerous spells like Alarm uh, are placed at various intervals. And he is hyper paranoid. He only trusts one other creature. To even, uh, aside from his familiar, of course, that Dane Quasit, I know he was up to no good. <laughs> See, he didn't go with a, you know, unattended homunculus. He, yeah. He got a Quasit. Yep. So, but, um, yeah, so, it, I mean, much like, well, the one thing about wizards is they either go spectacularly one way or in a spectacular failure. So Yeah, th this guy it, is, I mean, you know, look, if I want to go all, I... Eye against Osborne on him. You know? Yeah. Like, put an eye into this guy and do not tell the people why. Eye uh, against Osborne. Yeah. Yeah, he, if he shows, he knows you're coming, he's going to show up completely buffed up with stone skin, protection from missiles, and hurling lightning bolts. And down a narrow hallway. And there's just, yeah, that's uh, the recipe for disaster for a yeah, small it, level group. There is the possibility that they could encounter him early in the post-Nulb uh, beginning to enter the dungeons phase. And if you're dealing with third and or fourth level characters at this stage, he will likely annihilate them. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so again, having some caution, and this is the DM just, this is me talking to another DM. Just a level or two later, and he's a totally viable single right. encounter. Because if you catch him, especially if you catch him unawares with a, a uh, alert thief or rogue in the party. Sorry. Yeah, having a handy uh, mage to dispel uh, you know, like some of the magical alarms and a well-intentioned rogue uh, paying very close attention to the area ahead of the party and like spotting him and having people ready to go into this. I, 
yeah, you've got a very fair chance of taking him out in relatively good order because he's not exactly like most mages. He's not a giant walking pile of hit points. Yeah, he doesn't have, a, and so some goon with a two-handed sword and a guy with longbow specialization can make short work of him in just a round or two. Yeah. Ahem. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wizard, what's for breakfast? <laughs> ah, Wizard, the other white mate. Ah, yeah, Yoru was in his finest. <laughs> Fast-moving dude with a two-handed sword. And yep. bandy legs were just a hoofing it that day. Vicious Kedite. Anyway, um, once you get the Orb of Golden Death, the game starts to take a change. And I would suggest at that point that you read carefully into the description. The Greater Temple itself is probably the most dangerous area you'll encounter in that whole area. Uh, not only just hill giants and perhaps a few uh, high-level clerics, but more importantly, if you go into the nave, the, the sacred nave. You find out that the whole Temple of Elemental Evil was a scam. The whole elemental united powers of evil was just a bunch of BS. It's a scam for a demon king from the north, Ayaz the Old. And yeah. he actually resides there from partial times because his high priest has invoked him in this area. And such is his hate for his prior imprisonment that he actually comes to this area personally to visit. Well, and trapped within the place, in in truth, right? And is then, yeah. an old ally of his uh, and now, lover, you know, Zugdmoy. You, uh, Zugdmoy is like literally the whole place was built as a giant locked trap. Uh, it holds Zugdmoy in check, and the components of the trap are such that. Uh, her movement is restricted to a single area as long as each of the components are in place. It is possible for those components to be damaged irreparably, but only by very powerful, very specific right, actions. Right, very, very specific now, actions. Ayaz has not been able to get Zugtmoy out of here, but they've built this whole operation here as a front. Right, they built it as a front, and she invested a great deal of personal power in the Orb of Golden Death in order to control this whole dungeon as behind. As her own. But unknown to her, the powers of good were also watching this, specifically several <coughs> mages from the Circle of Eight. And they came here and they disassembled the whole thing and used the power that they had uniquely combined to make it a prison. So it's it, they turned it in on itself. Now, it has a specific means of destruction, which is known only by a few, which is, of course, one of the characters that you'll find in there, which is a nice nod, I think, uh, the Druidus encountered in here. Uh, actually has a knowledge of the means. So, again, this can take you to a trip to see the Grand Druid of the Gnarly Wood. And gnarly. Can, yeah, gnarly dude, right next to the Woolly Bay. <laughs> the Bro Wood. Yeah, the Bro Wood. So, <laughs> then you get into the final conflict, which is, of course, uh, confronting, what you think is confronting Ayaz himself, and then he does appear. But as soon as he appears... And yeah, he stays around for a round or two and will mess with the players. Then St. Cuthbert will show up and in true Wagnerian fashion, they'll both disappear to have a, a fight amongst themselves. Yeah, because let's face it, uh, the players against uh, a corporeal uh, Ayos is not a fair fight. Even if the characters have reached the maximum level, like 8th level uh before embracing Yeah, there's that no fight. way they're going to survive an encounter with yeah, this guy. Yeah, they're, they're woefully outclassed, 
Now, if there, this is one of the things that I consider a sticking point for this module, uh, because the players at that stage have to know that they are no match for a deity level opponent, uh, not even a minor deity. You know that. A, well, he's a demigod, but yeah, he's still. So, a god. Are you a god? No. <laughs> then die. Yeah. Yeah. So. Man, that... Yaru, when somebody asks you if you're a deity, you say, yes! <laughs> okay. Ah, oh, man. No, uh, that man, was always one... <laughs> unity of Furiandi. I command you to leave this plane of existence or the nearest convenient parallel dimension of your choice. Oh, man. That's telling them! Well, as long as we don't cross the streams, we're fine. We... Uh, no... That was one of the major failing points in this module. I, one that I consider a, a plot buster. Where, you're like, really? You want us to go punt? You like tweak it? Uh, well, yeah, you don't nose? know until you show up at the last second that yeah. this is a knave where he shows up. And he and they say that he stays for three to six segments. So you figure out what that is in your time scale. And then St. Cuthbert appears. Now, any players killed by his is our resurrected by his limited wish. And then... Uh, he heals the rest of the party and blesses them while he confronts Ayaz himself, swinging that big old cudgel. And uh, then they disappear. So then the players are like, well, that happened, so now what? And so, yeah, you, by that time, the uh, they'll probably be able to deal with the high priest of the temple, which is no slouch. Boy, that guy is such a ball buster. Uh, but rod yeah, of smiting. A fully healed and resurrected and complete, intact, newly ready party. Uh should be able to uh, manage the high priest by the time they're at the ending levels. Now, I disagree with the... It lists ideal for, you know, adventure campaign for characters levels 1 to 8. I, I, I only can agree loosely that this would be fully functional for uh, high, higher level characters, 7th, uh, 8th, will, however, in the order in which the adventures take place, make it somewhat less challenging. You really have to amp up the later modules uh, to increase the challenge rating for players that have achieved 7th or 8th level before yeah, getting you go this. And, but, um, yeah, so then afterwards you're like left with what? So you got this Orb of Golden Death, and maybe you now have discerned the means to destroy it, but it has to be used to open up the where the portal where Zugmoy lies. So to charge the gems fully, you must take and go into the various alcoves at the adjoining places inside the greater temple, which take you to the air, earth, fire, and water quasi-elemental planes. Now, you can apply to this what you will, but these are various dungeons where the gems themselves can be laid out and recharged if you had them placed in the hands of the priests before, like some people have done. I That's what I initially did, is figure that each one had made the pilgrimage to those areas and had gotten the gems charged up fully. They made it easy for us to move on and keep it within the power level going into uh, against the Slave Lords because I didn't want to put Mike with too much uh, burden because he was running the next part. And I didn't want them to be in 7th, 8th level. But then I ran it with completely without any contrivance on my part and just let the pieces fall where they may. And that ended up in the Marines being kind of 
hard for people to to fathom out who are used to having kind of things spelled out for them. So, it, you know, we are dealing with Marines here. So, <laughs> crayon chewing aside, it still worked out in the end, but it was a lot harder. Uh, I I'm going to throw this out. I'm going to say that the way I ideally would stitch this together, and I, I mentioned this for you know like future DMs, uh, the ideal level for Hamlet is level one and two. Uh, if you can do something to fill in the blanks and rack up some more experience points uh, before striking out on T1 through 4, that is the ideal interim time to beef your players up. Uh, hitting Nulb, your kind of ideal strike zone is having characters between 2nd and 4th uh, with mm-hmm. like the most difficult experience point related classes. Uh, you know, being around second and like your uh, rogues probably being early to get to fourth. Yeah, and now, that one I ran uh, Forest of Doom as an interlude between. Perfect. Which was, yeah, it was Drow. You may say perfect, but it was Drow, but they were not the full fledged Drow. But it kind of co- coincided with Lara the Beautiful being an agent of Loth. So there were some Drow nearby. Now, Nolb. Uh, Proper, you know, the character should be in that like three four zone, you know, mm-hmm. between uh, and the early dungeons of uh, the Temple of Elemental Evil. You know, third and fourth levelers can walk in there, and they will probably have a pretty good time in the upper levels. Uh, yeah, first through second, tough, but not if they're cautious and like most people play. Careful with the resources and always mindful of having a few extra healing resources besides just looking to the cleric. Kiss it, make it better. Yeah, if, if a team of six goes in there at between, like, with a base average level of three, uh, they can probably handle the upper levels well. Uh, they should rack up enough experience points to kick up into that fourth, you know, intermediate zone uh, before they enter the third you know, level of the Dungeons of Elemental Evil. And they should probably be hovering around 6th before they hit the final levels. Uh, Right, and having those charged gems uh, allowed me to skip those meta uh, elemental levels. They're fun to play in. I I would definitely suggest running them with them, but sometimes they can be a big distraction and they can kill a party in a hurry. Because every 10 minutes you're there, you're taking constant damage from the elemental forces. Within yeah. Uh, so, unless you have lots of elemental protection prepared, or perhaps with uh, some knowledge from some of the elders in the Gnarly Wood, as well as uh, from Hamlet itself, yeah. Yeah, giving them But I had the priest guard already had, and uh, have moved ahead to prepare to put this together. Now, study your magic items well, uh, your curatives, and the things that the player characters will be facing. And if you intend to shepherd your players through this uh, without completely coddling them, you know, without having to censure certain items uh, or certain events inside here, you can keep the difficulty level high for low-level players by literally making sure they have bonus spells potions and scrolls from their supporters the right and and you make sure that they have that so that they can embrace the extreme danger here and just go for it well yeah facing ayas then the high priest himself ninth level cleric 
and full armor and regalia, along with numerous minions, hill giants and other things, two uh, Etten warriors and all that. So you get down to an elite bugbears, which whatever that means. But you're able to, once you get the golden orb assembled, you can then freeze Zugmoy and nominally to kill her because she's not going to be too happy with you. She's not going. She's going to attend to reward you. Of course, in the true demonic passion that she represents. <coughs> uh, Which means point. she's going to kill you. And so, a fight will break out. And she is tough. 333 hit points. Uh, yeah, she is... You would say, where's... Oh, you were monocoddling the players, giving them those gems already charged up with elemental infusion. Well, here's your payoff. Have at her. And we did. And boy, was it a fight. And oh. I mean, it was a knockdown dragout fight. We had NPCs. We... Uh, at this point, we had Otis with us. Uh, even Burn and Rufus were tagging along to now, see what was going on. And so they provided some backup. That's another it, thing. I, I think you, you mentioned something uh, that I forgot to mention earlier, that both Hamlet and even Nolb uh, have people that the player characters can hire or who are willing right. to hire out uh, to add some meat and muscle to the party so that you've got, instead of just your base five or six players going in, uh, they've got four or five additional persons with them of varying levels to back them up. Because now, she is no... Some of these may not be nice people, as it turns out. There are some bad people, some bad actors, who are willing to pretend to be nice to the players. It's like, oh, hey, sure. Hey, you're looking a little wounded there. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, who will strike at the worst possible moment. But if they pick the right people... There are some powerful allies that can bolster the party's ranks and definitely improve their survival chances. Yeah, because 333 hit points it sounds like a lot, but when you got a lot of player characters, well-armed and well-provisioned, they're the stars of the show. And that's what I wanted them to be, is they were the ones doing most of the fighting with Burn and Rufus providing backup, keeping uh, some of the summoned creatures that the Demon Queen summoned busy with Mother Scring, uh, now Kane and Shaday. Uh, doing a little healing here and there, as well as uh, during the entire time, was always giving out those potions of Kiyotam's ointments to those she trusted. Ah, yes. Kiyotam's ointment. Good so, for what ails you. That helped the party get through a lot of major encounters because that last-ditch healing, 9 to 12 hit points, just per application, plus removes disease and poison, is really helpful. Uh, so, particularly in dealing with Zugtmoy. Yeah, and so we were dealing with a lot of things like that. And I wanted to put it at 6th level because I knew going into that, if I put them too high a power, by the time they came into Mike uh, into Mike's comfort zone of playing, that they'd kind of be out of whack uh, sync for the first couple encounters. Yeah, you and, have uh, to intensely slavers. increase the difficulty level in the uh, A1 through 4 series. Uh, to reflect what the players have gone through in the Temple of Elemental Evil. So it's not a perfect stitch together as a campaign Although, path, uh, if there are fun. some things that uh, if you felt that were too, given out too generously, that the Captain of the Ghoul could throw overboard. True. In that interlude where they wrote for how to knit these together, you have an elf fighter magic user, I think. A, ca a pirate captain. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that guy did it. That was... What a jerk. Barak's least favorite person ever. Yeah, broke him over the wheel, though. Nice job, Barak. Oh, no. Nailed him to the mast. Oh, you. that's right. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it was brutal. We were like, geez, what are you, chaotic evil? He's like, piss me off. Wow, <laughs> 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 remind me not to piss your character off. But yeah, yeah, didn't kill him until, like, after I'd left him on the mast for a few days. Just, you know, we were sailing around when the rest of the party had an intervention moment and said, Okay, it's been on long enough. He's... It is not okay that you are feeding him healing potions to keep him up there. <laughs> All right, fine. Fine, fine, fine. I'm going to show I'll you what I did. Burial at sea. Yeah, but. He pissed my cornflakes. Yeah, that guy really honked me off. Well, he pissed us all off. Would you. Wait. You know what? You did your job. <laughs> like Leona Hemsley said of Cersei, her role as Cersei. Oh. Yep. Yeah, well, if you didn't like me, then I did my job right. Well, yeah, all right. And point being, uh, you know, as we're wrapping this up, uh, the campaign pathway conscious DM uh, has to make sacrifices and adjustments uh, to work this campaign right. series. It is not easily done. This this is where you get to the grown-up DM-level stuff uh, that was very challenging for, you know, like, novice team DMs. Yeah, because Mike and me, we were in constant contact. And, of course, he was playing, and he was telling me, like, dude, if we keep getting more powerful, I don't know if I'll be able to run the slavers. And, you know, we got in a little heated uh, yeah, row over it, and it was like, you know, I had to have a moment of just clarity about it. But, yeah, he was right. If he keeps, if I keep... Uh, Playing it as it is, he was like, you know, you can't get much more over six or seven, dude. I don't know if I can do it as it is. And I was like, okay. So, you know, I did some adjustments. I adjusted the clutch a little bit and greased the wheels and made it work. And it was still a lot of fun. So while I have some criticisms. If I recall correctly, did I skip uh, A1? No, no, no. You did did tell me specifically, though, that you were going to change some things up. I think I remember the Aspas being more aggressive in that one. You, that's what, yeah, that's it. Didn't you, I just bump their numbers, though? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what you did. Instead of just one or two, you made it like three or four. And Five yeah. of the Aspis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they were nasty little guys. Not necessarily so mean as our ranger was able to use the speak with animals. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. I remember the uh, uh, <laughs> disease checks on the people who fell into the sewer water. Yeah. <laughs> I love doing that to players. That's one of my favorites. Especially my it's not the my, monster my fancy you. elf fighter magic user. You love that. <laughs> You're gonna have to buy a new suit of everything, dude. I just spent three hundred gold on this velvet doublet. You <laughs> asshole! <laughs> oh, he knows where to hit you where it hurts, doesn't he? Oh, <laughs> all that fancy full gear, oh, trashed in the sewer. What about water. that jeweled but, scabbard for my magic sword? No, uh, the ideal answer is, you know, the uppermost levels. I don't believe in tampering with the early no, uh, we, portions of the Temple of the Elemental League. Other than feel, to put those uh, elementally charged gems in there so that the players don't have to, you don't have to spend a lot of time and thus because, more experience. Yeah, like Puzzle Quest 101 uh, can like eat up a lot of play time. And yeah, and the more time you play, the more monsters you encounter and overcome, the more experience comes in. So Now, you can bypass this pretty legitimately by having gotten the players in touch with some very strong advocates in the form of uh, Otis the Ranger Knight and the Canonus Yaday uh, in their hidden places in Nold. Uh, if they have sound advice on what to do and where to go, um, or at least if not exactly where to go, then what they should be looking for. Yeah, and uh, 
one of the things you can do is like cut off the infinite supply of creatures. You know, if, if the players have cunningly uh, emptied a level, um, you know, just any reinforcements sent to reoccupy that upper level make it come out of the available uh, creatures on the lower levels, yep. constantly thinning the enemy's ranks. Now, if you do that... Uh, it reduces some of the challenge rating of this module, uh, and you can nerf all but the rudest, cheapest random encounters to keep the level of nuisance fights uh, down. And then third, with some of the leveled opponents, you can scale them back. Uh, like if they're saying, you know, like you're the the players, which you're hoping at this point will be third or fourth level face a ninth or 10th level foe with all of this fabulous equipment, you know what? Feel free to nerf it. Bring it down a couple of notches. Like say, okay, it's a sixth level. And instead of, you know, like Staff of the Magi, you know, what uh, he's slinging a... Well, he had a rod of smiting that we... I wisely had somebody taken for all that free stuff that they were given during the uh, adventure. So... Yeah, yeah. Um, all that support that they had from the sages and with Vernon Rufus working overtime to watch their backs, with the Hamlet militia doing their work, you know, yeah. Some of the items did that they didn't have a direct use for were given to higher powers is in lieu of payment, paying it forward. Yeah, you can bring the uh, intensity down a notch for the higher levels while still maintaining the mystique. I mean, and certainly uh, by backing the party up with other people, uh, the Zugdmoy and like Grand Priest encounters are not unachievable for a 5th, 6th level party. And that would kind of be the ideal zone for them to then enter the next segment right, and of the campaign path. That's exactly what he did. I think even as an Elf Fighter magic user, I was lucky to cut it at 4th level fighter... Fifth level wizard. Oh no, it was a fifth fighter, fourth wizard. Uh, yeah, wizard. okay, yeah, I got it backwards. Sorry. He had a five four, uh, and I mean, we had a mage who was the full time mage with yeah, us. Yeah, he was doing the sixth level thing. And boy, was he into fire in like a, a big way. I oh just... yeah, get hit another one of your screwed up fireballs. I'm gonna take it out of your hide. Oh. Are you talking to me or my character? You, <laughs> uh, you figure it out. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I got some things to say. There is two big uh, campaign spoilers, and since the spoiler sign is way up in the air... We've hung it. Uh, there's a, a episode in there about Prince Thrommel, and he's kind of a principal character in the world of Greyhawk campaign setting. Now, it's assumed, of course, that he's disguised as a vampire with all the means easy to slay him right there. And so it, the ultimate cruel joke is, is that you kill the Prince of the Kingdom of Good... Who's disguised by a powerful illusion as a vampire. And, of course, your good characters doing it would be the ultimate jest by evil characters. But, in this case, you know, there's also, what if you free him? And this is a big campaign changer, too. Which can also alter the scope of the campaign. I've had players do just that. And just like, hey, you know, become Knights of Furiandi and Voluna. He gets married to Lady Jolene. Uh, Jolene. Jolene, yeah. <laughs> Get a busty, uh, golden-haired bard from the hills. Come down, explain her. Never mind. 
You're going to leave that one alone. So, yeah, Temple of Elemental Evil yeah, uh, yeah. has a number of ways. for uh, preaching the virtue of books. Yep. And so uh, it has different ways to go than just link up with those other modules. And so you might want to explore that. Also, as a standalone product, I think Temple of Elemental Evil serves really well. Not as well as the Giants one. Um, or excuse me, the Queen of Demon Web Pits. I think Queen of the Demon Web Pits, really of all the three, stands on its own. I mean, not that the Slavers one doesn't either. I mean, you can play the Slavers one and just put that in the middle of a campaign and you just be like, yeah, hey, this is a thing. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, there are, there are some good segments in there. But all three of these link together. And they take some work. Like I said, at, at first through sixth, if you set a sixth level, level uh, hard limit on Temple of Elemental Evo... I think you'll do fine going right into the slavers. And from the slavers to the giants, yeah, it doesn't matter. After 8th level, the wheels are freaking off. Let Whatever yeah. goes, whatever goes. I don't care. No yeah, one. You, yeah. you ramp up the foes in the A series. You, you ramp up the difficulty level in the A series to compensate because that's intended for 4th to 7th. Right. Uh, now, you know, if the characters are, you know... Ending the A series somewhere around eighth level, uh, they are totally ready for the giant series. Oh yeah, and so you don't even have to do anything. Yeah, that's not one to worry. Hey, about. Mike's we we had a hell of a time through uh, the last two modules. Were really tough. That third one, Mike. Oh D three. Yeah, or A three. No. Oh A three. Oh, oh, oh wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. That's because I I amped up the difficulty level for the uh, existing slave lords. Uh, Intentionally, because the characters were such butt kickers, I really had to. In fact, I, if I recall correctly, I gave some of the uh, evil slave lords assistance. Like, you know, they had a right hand person that was only a couple levels lower than they were, uh, so that the party was facing a more robust threat. Because as it stood, uh, oh man. Um, <laughs> uh, our party was pretty, pretty freaking tough. Um, you know, you you guys did have a, you know, we certainly as a team had a habit of going through stuff like poop through a goose. Very well put together party. So that's all we had to say. But yeah, I mean, we yeah, had you're exactly gonna, what we needed. You're going to find that these modules make a very fine campaign, and there's oh, Temple yeah. of Mental Evil on its own stands well on its own legs. It's very great hockey. Old Grey Hockey Light and Old Grey Hockey. Yes, um, they are very dependent on the Grey Hawk campaign, but, however, I have made a good case in the past of changing it to Forgotten Realms. Oh, I know, blasphemy. And um, shown how it could work for uh, the minions of Zento Keep, along with Bane, in the place of Ayaz. Yeah, it takes considerably more editing in terms of changing the scope of the political fight. Uh, but, you know, you can... Cormier, Biriandi, same thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Bane instead of Ayo's, uh You know, you can reintroduce uh, Zugdmoy as some minor uh, demonic... Uh, oh, yeah, she, she stands on her own. Yeah, but... Oh, the whole point is, is that Zentio Keep would totally be all over this. Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, they definitely want a Temple of Elemental Evil. <laughs> they totally scam a bunch of rubes. Oh, yeah, Zentil Keep. I mean, you know, uh, fleecing. We convinced it. a bunch of K 
Chaotic evil bandits to invest in a religion. Can you believe this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard one of them's got a shaman wearing buffalo horns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he certainly did. Now oh, we're going to make a mint off. But wait, isn't Sento keep lawful evil? Yeah, but they totally do this. I mean, this is... <laughs> yeah, in a heartbeat. Uh, they're all like mercantile evil. <laughs> We've monetized evil. <laughs> so... You can Bad also do it in Pathfinder. I could talk, we could go on for hours about how you can change it to other campaign worlds. Yeah. You figure it out. You're the DM. You got your big boy DM britches on. We, you can do I it. I think we hit the big points. So. Yeah, but I wanted to say that it's well worth playing. Whether uh, Goodman Games is coming out with a 5th edition conversion for, and also I believe for their DCC, the Dungeon Crawl Classics game. Yes. As well as the original stats. So no matter what genre or venue you're playing the game and what flavor you tend to top it with those sprinkles that you put on it don't really matter it's a great adventure my criticisms aside uh heed my warnings about uh if you're going to use the grand campaign me and mike cannot emphasize enough make that level six he brings that up you know the hard limit at the end of this level make him six so if that means speeding some things up so yeah yeah, if you're planning to use them all as a series, then those kind of precautions are necessary. However, if you insert this as a portion of your campaign elsewhere and just have it freestanding, oh man, let the you yeah take, take the brakes off and go nuts because it's uh it's yeah a you're going to be on the meta plane. We're on the spirit world now. We're in a different area of existence. This is a parallel dimension akin to ours. Shut up, Egon. You're just having way too much fun with this. Yeah, let it let it happen. So. Uh, that's, that brings us to the end of T1 through 4, The Temple of Elemental Evil. So, yeah, yeah hope you enjoyed our retrospective. Adventure. And uh, as always, uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, you can direct them to our Facebook page. Okay, the Dice are Screaming. And, of course, you can get a hold of us on Twitter. So thank you, Twitter fam. We love you all. I didn't do much of a shout-out, but we'll get back to that uh, next week. Also, if you like our podcast, uh, yes, uh, please support us. And as supporters, we give you full options to give us whatever is on your mind. And uh, also, uh, we don't want anybody following us uh, or contributing if you can't afford it. So don't feel like that's a pressure. Yeah, know, We do this for fun. And if you support us, hey, thanks a lot. We really, really appreciate that. And But we try to give you a little bit uh, extra for it. Coming up to our 200th episode here. Yes. So uh, if you like what we're doing here, you can help us out a lot by just hit uh, clicking that favorite and hit that follow button. Just uh, speak lightly in its ear and tell it that you're here for the uh, special massage. And <laughs> <laughs> it's confused looks. She'll direct you for the next time and you just walk to the door. Okay. <laughs> Make it extra creepy for it. It's it's had all it's had it too easy lately. It needs to be uh, shaken out of it. Confuse and frighten the button. Yep. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So hit that uh, follow, and you get all the times when we hit that podcast. Uh, we put a new one out, uh, which we try to do every week. Um, and of course, you'll get that notification right away. So either way, we're going to bid you adieu. And so until next time, may, may the dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. See ya.